a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources. This is Taylor Morgan and Mara Carabello joining you today, filling in for Boyd Matheson. Mara, do you have TikTok there on your phone? You know what? I'm going to be honest. I don't. You don't have TikTok. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I do not have the personal discipline it requires to download TikTok. <laughs> or to stop. To stop I, watching uh, TikTok once you've I mean. downloaded it, yes. right? Now, don't be confused. Even for those of us who don't have TikTok, ask me how many TikToks I see or reels I see, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's everywhere. Yeah. You have a teenage daughter, don't you? I sure do. It, it, yeah. What is her relationship like with TikTok? You know, uh, she has a fairly healthy relationship, I think. I'm Maybe sure in part not, because of your not, example. You know, let's attribute Your the guidance. Parenting. Good no, parenting. I mean, and I think the, the point of this, Taylor, is woo, it is everywhere. And once again, we are having a discussion that we are going to have over and over, which is starting with, hey, all the apps that you download that are social media, first thing, no, they're not private. Secondly, no, meaning other, they're public and they're publicly seen. And number two, they are private companies. Mm. These are not sort of, you know, belonging to to the public. You they don't you don't to. read the entire user agreement well, before sure, you hit sure yes. Well, sure, I do. And you know, the story today is actually about who owns TikTok. And for those of you who don't know, most do that it's a Beijing company. Um, it's 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 mothership is called ByteDance. So it is a Chinese privately owned um, <laughs> the, the Chinese military private. DBA ByteDance. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's long been documented, as you allude to, Taylor, that um, there appears to be evidence of of. Um, some government control over TikTok yeah. and the private company that owns them. Do we – look, I, I understand we need to have this conversation. We need to get into it. During the break, you and I were just talking about all of the devices that we buy and put in our homes <laughs> that are constantly monitoring us. Uh, actually, during that conversation, my Apple Watch uh, say, chimed in to ask if I if I needed help yeah, with something. Timely, your your watch did so, join the conversation. <laughs> has the ship sailed on privacy and security with social media apps and all of all of our devices? Is privacy and security even attainable? You know, I, I we I ask myself that question. Like, I get, I I do think we it is attainable. I think we I think this the seriousness of the story of people remembering what you're doing when you sign up for things. But it almost does feel, you get a little fatalistic and you think, oh my gosh, my, it's everywhere. It's <laughs> yeah. out there already. Yeah. The jig is up, right? The jig I, is up, yeah. I am everywhere. But let's bring in some national voices as the conversation gets more and more clear. I want to point out something that happened this week that was very pivotal. And it is a Republican governor from Maryland, Governor Gary Hogan. I think it's worth noting that he finishes his second term of governor as governor of Maryland at the end of this month, right? So yeah. this, he he is unchained by um, being reelected. Uh, 
He's not eligible. He, in a shot, in, in in a remarkable move, he has prohibited state employees from using uh, TikTok among them, but certain Chinese and Russian influenced products and platforms in their in their executive government brand. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, okay. I We're going to get some uh, some content here, some sound bites from some national experts on this. But first, I just have to wonder, is Governor Hogan just tired of his employees wasting so much time <laughs> no. at work is that the problem I, no i do think that there is there is a grounded security concern but it is fascinating that they are making it just from the point of origin of the country um in which it's coming from which again we've had long-standing discussions about if russia has been interfering in um uh, americans elections so this yeah deeply matters. I'm going to take us to a clip. Uh, This one is from former National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. He did speak to inside sources last month and laid out, Taylor, the dangers TikTok poses to national security. TikTok's very dangerous for for three reasons. One, it obtains all your personal data off your phone. When you sign your term of use with them, you give them everything, your passwords, your location, all that sort of thing. And that's all accessible by the Communist Party of China for every American. Number two, it tracks your whereabouts. And especially for our men and women in the military uh, service, pilots, surface warfare, warfare officers on Navy ships, for their families in China, if there's ever a war, we'll be able to geolocate our key personnel uh, and maybe take them out before they ever get to their planes. So uh, that's a real serious concern. And then third, TikTok drives divisions among us. It, its algorithms are set up to stoke political divisions, to divide the American people instead of bringing us together. In China, the TikTok algorithm encourages people to study math and go to spelling bees and get involved in civic activities. And here in America, it, it creates political division, but it also celebrates alcoholism and partying and and maybe not our best values. And so for, for a lot of reasons, TikTok should be banned, just like we did, and just like Prime Minister Modi in, in India, uh, the largest democracy in the world, banned TikTok because it's, it's bad for democracy and bad for national security. Okay. Well, those are some pretty legitimate concerns laid out by former National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien about the risks of TikTok. And yeah, uh, okay, I might be open-minded now, Mara. I I was a little dismissive of these concerns at first, but uh, yeah, the fact that the Chinese military can know where anyone in our military is. Well, I should clarify, he didn't say that. He said the Chinese Communist Party as if there's a difference. So I think he well stated that these are real issues um, and they are issues that have major consequences 
uh, for both individual persons and governments. The one pushback, though, is number three was I'm going to call it out as a little subjective. If you want to take yeah. a free speech point of view, I mean, I you know, to to blanketly say TikTok uh, it supports alcoholism, it that seems to be a wide brush. And here's the line I will always draw, which is who gets to edit what? This is the same conversation we're having with um, our friends Elon Musk and the work he's doing at Twitter, right? I mean, when we talk about – this is the challenge of having private companies uh, own – what we're currently calling town squares, right? Right. We're yeah. saying, gosh, this is the format. Social media is currently the format for democracy and change, and this is the new town square. Well, the problem is you're on private property. You're not in the town square. And so I do get a little nervous. I always want to insert the point of view that says, I'll tell you what, speech, unfettered speech, is something that always needs to be defended. I agree with that. Like It's... I'm having this same conflict. Do we limit free speech acting in our best interest? As as Robert O'Brien mentioned, that India, the world's largest democracy, had right. banned TikTok. I think his implication there was to to somehow suggest that to protect democracy, we need to ban TikTok. Yeah. Something along and, those lines. And I said unfettered. I shouldn't have. We never have. We don't. Any none of our rights are 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 unfettered. They all have time, place, and manner. They all have conditions around them. But I think when we go to the fundamental, essential freedoms, we need to be really um, sort of intensely scrutinizing. We do have another point of view. So I mean that that was um, uh, from a, a national security advisor. Uh, Carolyn Anders, who's a woman we had talked to previously with the Washington Post, she spoke to Inside Sources last month as well. She was specifically talking about President Biden's strategy that's currently being implemented when it comes to using TikTok to communicate with young voters. There's no blanket policy, but a lot of federal agencies um, and the White House have said you can't have TikTok on a government phone. So because the White House itself couldn't make a TikTok account, Biden has taken the route of kind of a backdoor of getting his content out on TikTok by inviting influencers and people making TikTok content to the White House. And then he talks to them and then they kind of spread whatever whatever they take from the conversation. But that's his method right now or the White House press shops method. So one of the things that's telling about this is uh, one of the things I want to acknowledge is we're all working through this together. And the reason I want to say that is I think a lot of times as public, we sit back and have our institutions set these policies where what we're talking about is what we're doing as individuals and then what we want to do collectively. So I would say this is an area that if you have an opinion, jump in and talk to your local elected officials about what you think is the right thing to do because we're still figuring it out. And speaking of our local elected officials, coming up next, we are going to have the House Majority Leader, Representative Mike Schultz, joining Inside Sources to talk about the agenda for the upcoming session. Stay tuned. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.